uh, seminary over the last couple of weeks, and brother, we've been uh, been blessed to have you back here. Amen. And uh, anyway, I've asked Jesse. We've been we were uh, talking. Well, I can't even remember when it was a couple of weeks ago, which probably means it was a couple of months ago. Uh, but anyway, talking about um, um, about the the purpose for which God saves us and forgives our sins, and um, wanted. Uh, uh, wanted you all to hear a little bit from what's been going on in Jesse's life, and we're just going to kind of co-opt the, the sermon today. So, If you have your Bibles, will you turn to Ephesians chapter 2? I used to be all about testimonies and telling stories, and then I, um, the Lord really revealed to me that my experience is rather fallen and rather finite, and the Word of God is, is neither those. And so um, I would rather share with you scripture um, than, than share with you my words. So in um, verse, or chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of, of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only in the, in the first couple of verses there, in the, from about verse 1 through verse 3, it names all the things that we've been saved from. We've been saved from our flesh. We've been saved from the world. We've been saved from the power of the evil one. And so often that's, that's where we as believers, we forget. We, we concentrate so much on what we've been saved from. We forget what we've been saved to. That's the whole point. The whole point is that we've been saved to something. And it, and it tells us, it says in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us. And it's going to explain, what did this love mean? And I want you to note how many times it says, with Christ or with him, in the next verse. Verse 5, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you see that three times it says, with Christ, with him, with him. And that's what we've been saved to. That's what we've been saved to. Not only have we been saved from sin and death, and the evil one, and the world, but we have been saved to Christ, to him. And he is our, he's our life source. 
He's everything. And as I've, uh, as I've been um, in seminary, one thing that, that the one thing I've just really been realizing is just how limited my view of worship is. Is that my view of worship is 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 you know like what we just did, singing songs together as a congregation, and 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 even doing acts of service for the Lord. But, but then I realized that, that 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 if God is is the creator of all things and He's the giver of all knowledge, that the worship has to begin in the mind. And recognizing Christ as as the foundation for everything, it's it's humbly repenting and saying, "Lord, I don't know anything without you. I can't do anything without you." And it's in that that brokenness that true worship comes, and we're the fellowship with Christ. That's what we've been saved to. We haven't been saved to um, a holy life in the way that we think of it. I mean, when I got saved, I th- when I came to Christ, I thought, you know, I'm going to get progressively holier and holier. And to some degree, that's true, but to a large degree, it's not. <laughs> the truth is, I've been saved to Christ. That's, that's the reality, and so he is my sanctification. He is my holiness. But, but what sanctification is, it's, it's, it's a continuing repentance. It's discovering, wow. There's more sin in my heart than I ever thought. And then crying out to God. And then after doing that, after repenting all the time in your mind, repenting of every evil thought, you can't just try not to have evil thoughts. You're going to have them. But after repenting of every evil thought, continually, continually, you fight and you fight for Christ. You fight to be with him because you are. But everything in this world and everything in your flesh is trying to, 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 to tell you otherwise, that, that you're not united with Christ, that you're nothing. And so that's, that's what I've realized in, in seminary is that my sanctification has to begin in my mind and it has to begin with the way that I think. And then the way that I think has to be founded upon the word of God. And, and God is our, and that, and, and that is what I've been saved through, saved to. I've been saved from sin and death and the world, but then I'm saved to Christ, that I might know him, that I might fellowship with him. And the beauty of it is, is sanctification, it's, 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 we're just going to get closer to Christ. And during the dark times, those are usually the times when we're becoming even the closest with Christ. So, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we are saved, so then we go and do good works. Yeah. You, we were all separated from God. We were all separated from him because of our sin as people but also as individuals. My sin separated me from God. Your sin separated you from God. Um, And we've all been distant from him, and he hid his face from us because of our sin. And he had to do something to deal with our sin problem. Yeah? We couldn't do anything on our own. It was up to him to do something for us. And so that's why he sent Jesus Christ, so that he could remove from the table 
this problem that separated, this barrier that separated us from God. Are you with me? You've heard that all your life, I know. You've grown up in church and you know this. You know that we had a sin problem that none of us could ever do anything about and that Jesus Christ came into the world and to forgive us of our sins, right? We, we've heard that since we were children. We all know that this is true. But the, the question is, is that, is that what he was trying to do was just to bring us forgiveness? Would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3? First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is the most succinct, I think, probably verse in all the Bible that has just almost every piece of the gospel in it. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I'm going to wait till you get there if you're not there yet. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 18, it says this. Now, I'm, I'm just going to read part of this and then we'll stop. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And let's stop there. There's a whole bunch in this verse, and boy, it's just cram-packed full of what the gospel is. For Christ died for sins. He was the atonement for sins. He's the one that made right uh, our relationship with God, but more, more specifically, the atonement is he's the one that takes away the wrath of God. He absorbed the wrath of God. The judgment for our sins was laid upon him, right? And it says, also it says next there is that it was done once for all. This is obviously in contrast for what was done in the Old Testament at the Day of Atonement where everyone had to go every year over and over and over again to have their sins covered over. They had to go and make sacrifice at the temple and they had to go and they had to make sacrifice there for, of an animal so that their sins could be, uh, could be hidden over, could be dealt with by the sacrifice. But this, Jesus Christ died for sins once for all and it talks about the totality of of Jesus Christ's work on the cross. He did it once, and that one time was good and complete for all sin. Are you with me? That's really important for us to know. There is nothing else that you and I can do or need to do to gain forgiveness for our sins. This is something that separates us from other, uh, other, other modes of Christianity, right? In other modes of Christianity, there is, well, yeah, there's, there's grace, and there's faith in Jesus Christ, and there's Jesus Christ's death, but... You also have to do these things of penance. You also have to serve as a missionary. You also have to do these things to guarantee uh, your salvation. Absolutely not true. The truth is, is that Christ died for sins once for all, and it is, was finished. It was done. It is to totally completed. The work of God uh, in taking away our sin is finished in that one act of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? This is important for you to know. Anything else that adds anything to the gospel of grace, the gospel of God saying, you are forgiven by faith in my son, period, anything that adds any more is what the rest of the whole good part of the New Testament is all about, where Paul says, absolutely not, you do not add that trash to the purity of the gospel. Yeah? He would say so in not, not, not too dissimilar words, what I just used. Everything else that says that there's something else that you must do is trash and gospel. It is not the truth. Are you with me? All right. Okay. For Christ died as an atonement, taking away the wrath of God. He died for sins once for all. He did it one time, and it was sufficient for all. 
the righteous for the unrighteous. Here we have in this in that in that very small little phrase, the righteous for the unrighteous is that that idea of substitutionary sacrifice that he sacrificed himself for us. The righteous sacrificed himself for the unrighteous. That was this, God established this in the Old Testament, right? Where they had to bring a lamb without blemish, without spot, and it was perfect and it had to be sacrificed for their sin. Right? It's the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ where the perfect one was killed and sacrificed for the imperfect. Are you with me? Are you with me? This is important. Jesus Christ is perfect, and, uh, and he was sacrificed. And he was the only one. He was uniquely qualified. There was no one else who could die for sins. There was no one else who could pay the penalty for sins because there was no one else who was perfect like he is. Yeah? Now, that is great right there. I mean, that is the gospel all in about three little short, very phrases in part of a, of a sentence, is that Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And listen, that would all be enough. Are you, you know, I really, I've been praying about this a lot this morning. I want, I want to make sure that we get this this morning because a lot of times it's hard to move past the cross of Christ. Um, and here's what I mean. If God's goal in offering Jesus Christ was just forgiveness, then you could end that verse right there, and that would be all done, right? The work of Jesus Christ would be complete and finished because if God's, if God's uh, a point, if his goal in sending Jesus Christ was just to forgive our sins, just to remove the barrier between us and God, this was enough. And actually, this is enough you know, for us that we might say, hallelujah, I'm not bound for hell like I deserve. You know, that's a good thing. This is a great gift. None of us could say anything bad about this. But listen, God had a goal much greater than just the removal of our sins, than just putting them away. He had something much greater in mind. And it's really amazing to think that our God is like this. It's amazing to think about his character and, and who he is, that he desires something even greater for us than just putting away our sins. If you'll finish this verse with me now. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you what? To bring you to God. Is that underlined in your Bible? Have you, had, you got that highlighted and starred? To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. All right, let's st- let me stop there for just a minute, and let's talk about this. Christ died to save you from your sins. Yes, absolutely true. God dealt with our sins. It was the first thing that had to be dealt with so that he could establish a relationship with us. But once that was done, once our sin was dealt with, and once that barrier that separated us from God had been done away with, he says, what now? Come to me to bring us to God to reconcile us to him, to bring us into relationship with God because that ultimately is his desire, is to restore the fellowship that was lost between him and mankind at the garden. Yeah. What an amazing God. What, a, what an unbelievable thing that the creator of the universe, you know, the God that, that we have only just now, uh, you know, got some technology and some telescopes up in space that we can marvel at the universe that we live in. And, you know, we really only see such a small little part, but we can marvel at his work. And, and the Bible says that he just spoke all that stuff into creation. It wasn't even much effort for him. He just spoke it all. And that God sent his son to take away your sins 
so that you could have relationship with him, so that you could have your relationship restored with him, so that you could be brought back to him. That's an amazing God, isn't it? Makes you wonder, like the psalmist, what is man that you care for him? Yeah, really, truly, really, what are we that God cares about us so very much that he wanted to restore his relationship, our relationship to him? What an amazing God. What a gracious, loving, loving God. Amen. I want to talk about one more verse with you. In Ephesians chapter 2, here just where Jesse was. You just turn back there for just a moment. We're going to be a little bit further down in in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 17 and 18. Let me tell you, in verse 11, what happens here is that Paul is talking about there were people who were far off from God and people who were near to God. And he's talking about here is that Jesus Christ has brought those two groups together. All right? So what he's saying is, he's writing to, in Ephesus, there are people who are Jews and there are people who are Gentiles who are now all Christians. Right? And so they're very different, right? Totally different lifestyles, totally different beliefs before they came to know Jesus Christ. And what Paul's writing here in Ephesians is that those two people have become one building or one person under Jesus Christ. There were Jews who had the law and who knew God, and there were Gentiles who, he would say here, was, were far off from God, who didn't have the law, they didn't have the prophets, they didn't have uh, uh, all the teachings of, of the Old Testament, and, and they were far off from God. But he says that, that through Jesus Christ, he brought them together, okay? So that's the context of this. In verse 17, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, it says, He came and preached peace to you who were far away, that is, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, that is, the Jews. And listen to what he says then. For through him we both, that is, Jews and Gentiles, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. That word access is only used about three times in all the New Testament. But here's the great thing is that he says, through Jesus Christ, we have access to God. We have access to God. Let me tell you, that word access is, comes from the Greek word means approach. We have an approach of God, and it's a picture like this. It's like you knew someone who was, who was a, a, a celebrity or someone who was high up in, in, in government, and you can't just go and make an appointment and go see them. You have, to, you have to know people to be able to make meeting with them, you know? And so this word access is like a privilege of access. Through Jesus Christ, he's opened up the way that we might have access to God, that we might be restored in our relationship with him. Yeah. So listen, what am I getting at here is this, is that Jesus Christ did come to save us from our sins, but that's not where we're supposed to stop. We have forgiveness of our sins for a purpose, and that purpose is, is that we might be restored in our relationship to Jesus Christ. Amen? That we might be, be, be restored to God, that we might know Him, and that He might know us, and that we might follow Him, and that we might love Him, and that He might love us all because of what Jesus Christ did. It's not just about forgiveness. It's about relationship now. Um, as Jesse was save, saying, we weren't just saved from our sins. We were saved to something. We were saved to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We were saved that we might know him. We were saved that we might pursue him and love him and follow after him. Yeah. Isn't that great? 
Yeah, really, truly. What is man that you think of him? What is man that you care? But he does. That is our great God. He sent his son to take away your sin, but not just to forgive your sin, but that you might have relationship with him, that he might restore fellowship with himself to you. That's a great thing. Awesome God. Amen. Don't forget that. You know, it's easy for us to go around and just remember that our sins have been saved and just stay there at the cross. You know, I, I don't know, I kind of picture going to the Holy Land and people maybe want to stop there or the, the place that they, they think may have been Golgotha, the place of the school, and just sit there and marvel at the sacrifice that was paid for us. But it's appropriate for us to go there and worship and thank God for the forgiveness of our sins. But listen, His idea is not that we just stay there and marvel that our sins have been forgiven. It's that we're supposed to marvel and want to know God, that we now enjoy an an approach and access to God that we didn't have before. It's not just that our sins were forgiven. It's now that our relationship with God has been restored. You can know Him. You can follow Him. You can love Him. You can worship Him. You can read about him. You can marvel at him. You can talk about him with your, about, you know, with your friends. You can, you can spend time and wonder about all the things that he's doing in your life. And if it weren't enough that he took away our sins, he's restored his relationship with us. It's an awesome thing. Awesome God. Amen.